Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Extra sleep. You ought to be geared up, fired up, ready. If you didn't stop by our coffee bar and get a coffee, that's on you. There is enough caffeine to make the world spin three times as fast as it is now back there in that coffee bar. Living your, everybody say it, blessed life. I know you want to live your best life, but you can't live your best life until you start living your blessed life. And we want to go, we want to dive into this in, the, in these uh, coming weeks. And um, I'm excited about what I've got to give to you today. And we're titling this, How to Change Your Past. Because in order to go forward, sometimes you're going to have to look back and go, I need to change some things. And see, some of us already get checked out because we're like, I know you can't change your past. Oh, I'm going to mess with your minds today. I'm going to mess with how you think about God and the universe and, and history and future. And I want to go right to the beginning of our Bible in Genesis chapter 5. Um, and we're going to begin just w- verse 1 and 2. Uh, to all of you that has provided amazing, amazing meals to um, our family uh, through my wife's recovery, we just want to say thank you so much. They have uh, fed us and have continually fed us um, uh, throughout lunch um, and dinner and then all of the desserts. I know we have gained weight and you did it right before the holidays and it's not right and um, but I, we, from the deepest part of our heart, we, we pastored a church years ago that uh, when we went through some rough things, um, didn't do anything, didn't call, didn't check, uh, and, and uh, coming to a, a place, pastoring a people that go above and beyond, let's just say from a heart of gratitude, thank you so much for your generosity, your care, and your concern for my family. And uh, Andrea's doing well. She's here and uh, doing great, so... Uh, we're thankful, thankful for the hand of God in our life. And uh, Genesis five. Anybody got anybody got that today? It's going to be on the screen behind me, so you better have it. Uh, I'm just going to nine o'clock. You got to wake up. We're going to go. We're going to do this. All right. Genesis five, one through two says this is the written account. I, I just want you to repeat that. This is the written, written account. It's the written account of the descendants of Adam. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. He created them male and female. All right. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and called them human. Turn to your neighbor and say, what's up, human? What's up, human? Father, we thank you so much for the moments we have shared in worship. And God, our hearts are just turned to gratitude because of the great things you have done. So I pray that our minds, our, our attention, our focus, our captivation today would be on your generosity, your greatness, and your goodness. Today, God, we thank you that you have called us, you have created us, and you have designed us to be like you in all things. And so, God, today, I pray that you would expand our expectation, that we would leave here so much better than we came in, and I'm praying the blessing of God would reside on this church and those that are gathered here and online. And, God, today, I just pray that you would just do it. Just show up. In Jesus' name we pray. Someone said amen. 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 Someone said my mind is ready. 
My heart is open. I receive it. I believe it. Do it, Jesus. My question this morning as we begin this, how to change your past, begins with much more of a a philosophical question, and that is simply this. What does it mean to truly be human? What is it that really separates us from animals? What is that? Is it, is it language? Is it, is it feelings? Is it uh, uh, pain or, or hope? Is it expectancy? Is it because we have a past? What, what is it? Have you ever thought, what does it truly mean to be human? What's the difference between us and AI? What's the difference between us and, and some robot that can, can now talk and move? And if you've seen the development over, over science over the last few years, you know it's a little scary of what they can do and what they can create. And, and some of you are like, I know the robots are going to overthrow the world one day. And okay, that's it's fine. We're in North Idaho. We can talk about things like this, I guess. Um, but the reality is, is that there is still a distinction between mankind and other created things. But what does it truly mean to be human? So then that leads me down a path of asking the question, what does it truly mean to be alive? What does it truly mean to be alive? Is it just because you're breathing? Is it just because you have a a heartbeat? What What does it truly mean to be alive, to really live, because the Bible says God created us like himself. And not only did he create us like himself, but then he blessed us and called us human. I believe the primal instinct of mankind is the stamp of blessing on our life that is not on any other thing. There is a blessing when God said, I'm blessing them and calling them human. So I would argue this morning today and say that if we are not living in the blessings of God, then we are living less than what we were designed to be living. If we are not living with the blessing of God in our finances, in our marriages, in our jobs, in our careers, in, in our homes, if we are not living with the blessing of God, then we are living less than what it means to truly be human and alive. All right? This word, this word blessing from the very beginning is simply defined like this. To speak words invoking divine favor with the intent that the object will have favorable circumstances or state at a future time. The blessing of God on mankind was that there would be a continuation of our circumstances, of our freedoms, of our liberties, that there would be favorable circumstances even at a future time. So when God blessed the first people, It was not just that they were blessed. It was that all the people who would ever be born would also inherit this blessing. It's a favorable motion and movement and voice that God put on people. So, 
We think, we think in three dimensions, don't we? we that's, that's just who we are. We're, we're past, present, and future, correct? When we think, we think in the past, present, or future. The past, we think, is locked. It's unchanging. When we think today, right now, in this present moment, the moments that we just had in worship are locked, unchanging. The moments we had yesterday are locked and unchanging. There is nothing we can do to change it. It's done. It's over. Time has moved on. We are now in the present. The present to us is fluid. It is ever-changing. And what we do now can change what we're going to do next. What we say now will change our future. And if, and if we get to this concept, we realize that the present is ever-changing. It's fluid. It's motion. It's movement. And then when we think of the future, it's the things that have not yet happened or the things we hope will happen. How many have stepped into your future and it was not what your past thought it was? You got into your future and you're like, oh, this isn't, this isn't what I thought. Now, let me ask this question today. If you could change your past, something in your past, if you could have, and I'm not talking butterfly effect, I'm not talking, like, just get that out of your head, all right? I, if you change one thing, the world's going to fall apart. I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about is if you could go back to your past and change one thing, would you do it? Would you change a relationship that you got involved with that turned south? Would you change a business partner? Would you change a financial decision? Would you change a school? Would you change a, a career path? Would you change a word that you said? Would you change a word that you didn't say? Is there something in your life that if you had to do over again, you would do it? And I think the answer in this room for all of us is yes. There is at least something I would go back and do over. I wish I could change that. If I had a time traveling machine and I knew that the, the, the universe would not split open, create black holes and suck us all in, I know that I would go back in time and change it so that I could experience something different today and this concept of of going back in time i mean there's movies and books and i mean come on now back to the future let's go right there are things that are in inside of us that all of us in innately inside of a human says i wish i could go back to my past and change it but we know that we're in the present and we know the future and we know that the past is locked it's unchanging we want to go back so bad. Go back to something we did long ago. Something that even happened yesterday. Maybe it was even this morning. Have you ever been in a fight with your spouse and you're like, I wish I just hadn't said it at that time. We would not be here. But if you're like me, you have to stick to your guns. <laughs> and it just goes bad to worse. To, to worse. To, to worse. And you're like... I know I made the vow for better or for worse, but I made it worse. There's grace for you today. Um, and, and we all want to. But we have taken away an element of hope in our life that we can't go back and change it. And so we have to live with the mistakes of yesterday, today, and my future. But what if I could give you an, an element today? To say, I don't believe that your past is locked and unchanging. But what if I told you today that your past actually, you can access it today and change it so you can have a better tomorrow?
What if there was something today that you could do? Now, I understand events are done and over, and we're going to talk about this today. But I truly believe that you can actually go back to your past and change it. Because science shows us that our past does not live in present events, but our past lives in our memories of them. The past that you think of is thought of in the concept and construct of memories. And we understand that memories are far from reliable. Have you ever sat down with a, a sibling, a family member, a, a spouse, a, a longtime a high school friend, and you start recalling events and everybody's got a different story? I just sat down with my family and my brother, and we were talking about the horrible things I used to do to him. And um, it's a good confession's good for the soul. Nine o'clock, wake up. Here we go. And and there was things that 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 had happened and were hilarious to me, but but left scars on his body. You know, like yeah, just dumb stuff kids did. Yeah, big brother, little brother. Yeah, all right. And, and so, you know, we were talking through and just laughing about stuff and things that, that we had said. And each one of us remembered a different account of it. Because there was an emotion that was attached to the memory that we each had. This is why someone could get in a car accident and you can have 15 different eyewitnesses and every eyewitness has a different account of the story. Because how you remember it matters. But memories are far from reliable. They're far from reliable. And we are unreliable narrators of our own story. All right? And, and we might exaggerate. Have you, ever, has, have you ever been around somebody that just exaggerated a success? And every time you talk to them, it gets bigger. And you're like, I remember that. That's not really what happened. And it gets better. And, and they made five touchdowns that game instead of just having a receiving catch. Anybody talk to anybody? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, what? Uh, they, they were the all-star. They were the greatest. They, they exaggerated their success. Or maybe, maybe they have magnified the pain, the problems, the issues that has been dealt to them in life. They, 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 they exaggerate the successes and they magnify. They, they zoom in on the failures and they get it all out of proportion. Because the way we experience our future is directly related to the recordings of our past. And the way we remember the past greatly influences what we do in the future. And Genesis 5 says, this is the written account of the descendants of Adam. Somebody somewhere at some time wrote down Adam's story. Because if I believe that this word of God is God-breathed, God-inspired, unchanging, never-failing, is all true and all-powerful. Anybody in the house? If I believe that, then I have to understand that the stories and the accounts of this word are true. Because if one of them is not, then none of it is. So somewhere, sometime, somebody wrote down a story and guess what? Adam did not write Genesis. Just give you all right. Is that, is that okay? I like. Let's go back. Moses wrote, but Moses is generations from Adam. Where did Moses get Adam's story? Cain and Abel's story, Seth's story, Noah's story, Meth- Methuselah's story. Where 
did he get this? Somebody, somewhere, wrote something down. Because if we rely on our memories to serve us, they are unreliable because our memories are attached to deep emotional content. How we were feeling that day is going to directly relate to the way I remember it. And if you understand, you don't remember everything. If you remember what you ate for Tuesday's lunch last week, will you raise your hand? No, because it was insignificant. Now, if a car drove through the building, the kitchen caught on fire, somebody came and surprised you with balloons because it was your birthday, you would remember it. Why? Because there was a deep emotional connection to the event that happened. All right? Anybody tracking where I'm going today? All right. And and so... What has happened is we have allowed our past to change and manipulate our future because we are individuals that rehearse our past. Somebody heard us somewhere. Somebody said something at some time. And so then in our future, somebody else says something or looks like that or has a twinge in their voice, and suddenly we connect this emotional response to this emotional response and instantly put this new person in the old person's box. Okay? We, we, we instantly have this, this moment of, of feeling like um, our walls are up because somebody is saying something that reminds us of what someone else said here. And our past, and what is happening is our past is changing our future, when in reality, our future actually needs to change our past. Hebrews says it like this, and I'm going to work on this for a few moments today. Hebrews 11 and 21 says it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, don't wait till you get to this point, he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons, his grandsons, he blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff, as he leaned on his staff i got a staff today. History records and shows us that in, in Jewish culture, their staff was actually their record book. Historians and rabbis have, have collabed over the years and realized that the staff was so significant that they would record major events on the staff. And it was passed down from generation to generation. So when Jacob is old and dying, and he begins to lean on his staff in worship, blessing the future, what is he leaning on? The records of his life. You can't reach into your future and bless your future leaning on your past that's been horrible. But you can lean on your staff that you have seen the blessing of God played out and look into your future and bless it because of the blessings that God has given you. If you want to start living your blessed life, I decided that we'd bring this out. And and so I started writing some things on here last night. And um, when when I was just four or five years old, my parents lost their job. We didn't have money. And, uh, and I remember this, uh, I remember the, not only just the stories, but I remember this by, and maybe this is where my infatuation with shoes came from, but 
Um, my parents, my mom prayed. She said, God, if you were able to make the, the Israelites' shoes grow with their feet because they didn't have the equipment to make them, would you, would you cause my son's shoes to grow with his feet? I got to look at those shoes a couple weeks ago again and was reminded that my shoes grew as my feet grew. And so I decided I'd write it down on my staff that my shoes grew with my feet. And there's a lot of gap between that and my next one where it says Mariah was born early, survived, and is healthy. And there's another gap in here where it says Andrea's heart completely healed. And then there's another one that says Mariah has had no pediatric surgeries. There's another one that says Encounter grew during a global pandemic. And there's another one that says Andrea was brought back to life. And, and then I can start writing down all the blessings that God began to give us through the years of financial provision. I remember sitting in our parking lot here and I gave our, our last hundred dollars. I said, God, if you'll just supply it, I'll give it to him. I got a call the next day for a job that began to, to pay the bills for the building here and pay the bills for ours. And so I gave my last hundred dollars. I'm going to write it down on my staff. Because when I'm old and dying, I want to look back at not all the terrible things that have happened, but I want to look at all the blessings God has given. You want to go back and change your past. Number one, you're going to have to change how you remember it. Because your memories are not reliable. I know they said something bad, but sometimes you can magnify the bad and forget the good in it. I know it was a traumatic event, but let me find the silver lining. There are surrounding things around the bad that you can always remember. I could have written that we spent four months in the hospital in the NICU with Mariah. I could have written that we spent months on end not knowing if Andrew was going to live in and out of the hospital on the cardiac floor. I can write down how she was brought back with paddles and, and I was pushed out of the way not knowing if she was going to make it. I could write that down. But the way I remember it was so emotionally scarring that my memory is not reliable in those moments. So what I choose to write down, how I choose to remember it, is that she got a new heart out of this. That Mariah had no surgeries. That Mariah was actually born. She survived. She's healthy. I can look back and go, if God can grow my shoes with my feet, then He can grow my bank account when it's empty. And He can grow my marriage when it's sinking. He can do the impossible. So how do you remember it? How do you remember it? What do you remember about it? Because remembering... Is connected to what you felt during the event. You have to change how you remember it. A series of studies have implied that emotions play a role at various specific stages of remembering or encoding information. Consolidating memories and during the recall of experiences at a later date. For instance, there was a cognitive psychologist named Dan, uh, Donald McKay and he had a team of researchers that they asked participants to take part in an emotional Stroop test in which they were presented with different words in quick succession. Each word was printed in a different color and the subjects were asked to name the color. They were also asked later to recall the words after their initial test. And McKay found that taboo words which were intended to elicit an emotional response were recalled more frequently than the words which carried less emotional 
connectors. Memories linked with strong emotions often become seared in the brain, McKay said. And most people can remember where they were on 9-11. Some of you are old enough to remember where you were when JFK was shot. So, some of you know, you, were, you know where you were. Uh, it, you, some of you, you moms, you know what the weather was like when your babies were born. The certain smell of a hospital brings back memory. You, there, there's some things that just, you, you know. And the reality is, is that you don't really remember what you were doing on September 10th. But you do know where you were, what you were doing, and exactly what you felt when the news came on September 11th. Because as McKay begins to, to unpack this, he, he says we only have limited brain power. And we only need to remember what's important for our future well-being. So fear, he says in this context, is not just a momentary feeling, but a learning experience critical to our survival. And when a new situation makes us fearful, the brain records the details in our neurons to help us avoid similar situations in the future or use appropriate caution. The results of McKay's experience and others with similar outcomes suggest that an emotive state at the time we perceive and process an observation can positively or negatively affect the encoding of information into the short and long-term memory. So how do you remember it? Jeremiah, dealing with destruction of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's burnt down to the ground, and I know it's gruesome, but they're eating their children on the side of the street because they have no food. And Jeremiah begins to record a book called Lamentations and writes something down. But in the middle of his dialogue, in the middle of his complaint and lament, he says something so powerful. In Lamentations 3, right dab in the middle of this book, he says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, somebody needs to get a yet. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Do you see what he's saying? I, I remember, I'll never forget the grieving and the loss of this. But I dare to have hope when I remember it differently. I know I've seen them eating their children. I know I've seen the destruction of Jerusalem. I know I've seen the city burnt to the ground. But I'm going to choose to remember it differently. And he says this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh each morning. And I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. It's how you're remembering the events. You want to go change your past today? Start remembering some different things. Start looking back. I know, I know you've gone through some hell. I know you've gone through some things. But stop writing it down and start making a record of the descendants of hope in your life. God's given me this promise. God's given me this victory. God gave it to me. Every morning you get a blank canvas. Every morning, you get a blank canvas to write something new on. In our lobby today, for this series, we have, we have a beautiful canvas up that says hashtag blessed life. Here's what I'm challenging our church to do. Over the next four weeks, I want you to write down the blessings that God has given you in your life. They're unique, they're different than anything else. But let's stir the hope and the faith of someone else reading it. Let's write it down. I know that you have a list of grievances against 
other people. I know you have a list of grievances against your own conscience. I know you have a list of grievances against your boss and your ex. And I know you have a list of grievances against other people. And I, I know you have a list. But let's stop, let's stop rehearsing that and let's start writing down the faithful goodness of God. I'm going to tell you today that it's going to change the depression that you're in into some joy for a future day because the blessing of God is being rehearsed, reminded, and remembered. God did this, and if God did it then, He can do it again. I'm trying to help someone live your blessed life. So I want you to line up, take time, write on there. We have different colors. Come in every Sunday, write something new. Write several things down. It's a miracle. It's a blessing. It's something God has done in your life. Let's write this down. And then we look back and remember it. Because sometimes the, over, the overpowering negative neurons take over our subconscious conscious minds and so when we experience something we look back at the negative and I feel today to release this in the Holy Ghost this morning that God wants you to have a release of the blessing of God and when you look back you remember every good and perfect thing he's done not every bad thing that's come against you you change your past finally number two you change your past by developing relentless confidence. See, your past, your past has actually caused you to be timid. It's caused you to be hesitant. That's what, that's what McKay said. He said, fear. Fear? Doesn't the Bible say it's a spirit of there? Fear causes itself to get inside of you that you become timid and afraid of the future, of the decisions you're going to make. Because what if it is the same as before? May I challenge it? What if it's different? What if it's different? What if it's better? You want to change your past. Start developing relentless confidence. How do I develop relentless confidence? It's by getting rid, scribbling out, redefining the things that have happened, and rewriting the amazing things God's done. Because understanding that when Jacob leans on his staff at the end of his life to worship, it would also bring to memory that there was another individual in the Bible that had a staff that had no confidence. A boy named Moses. A boy named Moses that had a stuttering problem. A boy named Moses that ran away when he heard some bad things were happening. A boy named Moses that spent 40 years out in the desert and finally encounters God at a burning bush. And God's like, I want to send you. He's like, who am I? He's like, I am the Lord your God. Moses asks question after question, and God finally convinces him. He's like, send someone else. He's like, fine, I'll send Aaron with you to be your spokesperson. But I want you to take the staff in your hand right now, and I want you to throw it down. What's on your staff, Moses? Is it, is it filled with the blessing of God, or is it filled with the fear that you've been experiencing over the years? I want you to throw it down. And Moses throws it down. It turns into a serpent. And God says, I want you to pick it back up. 
And sometimes in life, we're going to have to throw down the thing that's been holding us back and let God transform it. And when he says pick it back up, it's completely changed and new. Because I'll tell you what, that same staff went into Pharaoh's court and ate up all the other snakes when they demonstrated this. That same staff was raised when they walked to the edge of the Red Sea and the wind came and parted it. I'm telling someone here today, it's what God has done that can part Red Seas and open doors that seem closed and change lives that seem unchangeable. The past is, un- the past is changeable how you remember it get a courage get a confidence in you and say this is what God's done in my life can I get somebody to give him some praise in this place today Psalms 124 says it like this Psalms 124 says if it had not been For the Lord who was on our side. And he says, let Israel now say. He said, look, if it had not been for God on our side, now we've got to start repeating it, writing it down, making sure we look back at it. Get a relentless confidence within you. Because we need to go farther than just changing the way we see our past. And we need to change the way you perceive yourself. I know you look back at the past and I I know we're changing how we think about it, but we need to also start changing how we perceive ourselves. Because this reordering, reframing, and awesomizing of your memories is going to help pick your head up and make you feel more secure in yourself. This lets me know God's on my side. This lets me know God is for me and if God is with me, And who can be against me? This right here lets me build a confidence within myself knowing that if he's done it, he'll do it again. This, this is that optimism stick that needs to slap some of us upside the head with. Some of you reached, you stayed a little too far for me today. This, this is that because optimism is your greatest antidepressant. Some of you are popping pills to eliminate your past. Drinking yourself into a stupor to forget yesterday. The greatest antidepressant is not another shot. It's not another pill. Your greatest antidepressant is looking back at the blessings of God because the blessing of God is his spoken word over your life. It is what it truly means to be human. And because we have been living subhuman and under par, and what has happened is we're getting to the place where we do not feel like ourselves. Have you ever said that? I just don't feel like myself. I just don't feel like I'm there. I just, I just don't know how to get back to what I used to be. Some of us need to start changing our past and get a relentless confidence back in and write down some things God has done and hold it up and say, we're going to get through this. We're going to make it. There's a better day ahead. Because you know what, Jacob? Jacob, the deceiver, the, the deceiver, the one who was a trickster, band, will you come? The, Jacob, Jacob leans on his staff. But Jacob carried a new name when he did this. Jacob now no longer was Jacob, but he was Israel. Prince of God. The relentless confidence comes when we stop looking back at what we've been labeled, what we've been called, 
what we have seen ourselves as. Some of us have seen ourselves as a deceiver. We've seen ourselves as a failure. We've seen ourselves as an outcast. We've seen ourselves as a reject. We've seen ourselves as an ex. We've seen ourselves as, as no good. We've seen ourselves as unworthy. We've seen ourselves as Jacob. And God has sent me to tell someone here today, your name is no longer Jacob when you are in Christ. You have a new name, a new identity, a new persona, and your name is in His name, and it's written forever. If you'll just lean on your staff. Jacob leans on his staff. He leans not on the failures, He doesn't lean on his emotions. Jacob doesn't lean on his understanding. But what does Jacob lean on? He's old, he's dying. And he leans on his staff that has the written record of the blessings of God. That's what he leans on. Some of us are falling under the pressure of life because we're not leaning on what God has blessed us with. We're leaning on what others have spoken over us. We're leaning on how we perceive ourselves. We're leaning on all of these other things. And God has said today, start leaning on His blessings. Start leaning on His provision. Start leaning and trusting somebody needs to just declare in their spirit today, I am blessed because that's the way God created me. Somebody needs to start leaning on the blessing of God and say, I'm blessed because that's the way God created me. I'm blessed. You're blessed because God created you that way. And what does Jacob do? now just doesn't hold all the blessings to himself but he looks back I can imagine Jacob looking back there was one time I wrestled with an angel he touched my hip and he changed my name I, I remember when I thought that Esau was going to kill me but when we met up we actually got reunited I, I thought my family was going to die and we split up but now here we are I, I, I thought I married the wrong girl but now after seven more years God gave me the right one and, and I thought that I had can I preach into someone here today? Jacob's leaning, looking back. I can see a Rachel in my future. I can see an Esau reuniting in my future. I can see a nation that's called Israel. I don't even know it yet, but people are going to say that they worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know that I've been called a deceiver by my father, but today no longer. Now I'm going to bless my future grandsons and put the blessing that's been put on me on my future. You want to change your past? Start blessing your future. Future with the blessings God's given you. I'm going to bless them and bless them and bless them and bless them and bless them. Come on, some of your kids need the blessings you've had. Your grandkids need the blessings you've had. They're fighting fear. They're fighting frustration. They're fighting anger. They're fighting horrible things in their school. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. We stand all over this place. strength comes from yesterday's blessing. My strength to lean today and worship today comes from the strength of the staff of yesterday's blessings.
Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He lets me rest in green meadows and leads me beside the peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right path, bringing honor to his name. For when I walk through the darkest valley, have to be afraid because you're close beside me. You see it? Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And what does he say? You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. You honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows. your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever it sounds to me like someone got the right idea said your rod and your staff comforts me and when it comforts me I can walk through the darkest valleys and when I get through it you've already prepared a table and a feast and today my cup is overflowing with blessings says there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. His past was a mess. Yet the Bible says he was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. (laughs) He prayed to the God of Jacob. Oh, that you would bless me my territory be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain and God granted him his request why? because you're blessed you're leaning on a path come on anybody want to go with me and change your past today you want to change your past how you remember it and get a relentless confidence in who God's created you to be blessed. Come on, will you just say it with your hands lifted, will you just say, I'm blessed? Come on, say it again, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Prayer partners, would you join me up front here today? I wonder all over this room, I want to just pray a blessing on you, and if you, if you need prayer today, God, would you, would you help me? And Maybe I need to be with somebody that can help pray for me. We want to have this time where you can just come and find a prayer partner to pray with you and speak a blessing over you. But all over this house, eyes closed, hands raised. Get that staff in your hand of all the blessings God's given you. Father, I thank you this morning for the great gift of grace today have blessed us far beyond our understanding or even our remembrance. 
So today, I pray that you would recall to our mind again the blessings that you have given us through the years. I pray now you would put a wall and block out the things that have caused a repeating pattern of toxicity and negativity in my life. And today I pray that an absolute bomb of optimism would blow up in our minds today to remember your faithfulness, your goodness, your grace. I pray that there would be a strength today in this church that as we lean in this hour, we are leaning on every blessing you have given us, every family, every miracle. May we hope in you as we lean on this staff. Today, may that staff comfort us, guide us, direct us, and may our future change our past in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.